0: Esteemed audience, and welcome to another episode of Middle Grade Ninja. I'm your host, Rob Kent, and today we are talking with uh, debut author Laura Stegman. But Laura Stegman has worked for over 30 years as a publicist, so it was absolutely fascinating to me to ask her questions about how she plans, after 30 years of of practicing promotion and publicity, how she plans to promote herself and promote her debut novels. Very fun conversation. We talk about uh, all sorts of things. Her visit to the set of Mary Poppins, and not Mary Poppins Returns with with Emily Blunt. The actual Mary Poppins with uh, Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke. Uh, Wonderful conversation. Uh, And then the big announcement this week was that Banneker Bones and the Cyborg Conspiracy, my third book in the And Then uh, story, will be released uh, February 21st of 2021. Uh, Originally, that had been slated to uh, release in May of this year. I'm sure you remember me talking about it on episodes past, and I will continue to talk about it. I I couldn't be more excited about this book. Uh, But of course, 2020 has been a year that um, whatever plans we had uh, were, were, were of no use to us this year. Everything's been thrown to the wind. Uh, And that's what happened with the release for Banneker Bones and the Cyborg Conspiracy. And now, uh, as we're moving toward the end of the year, this uh, later part of the year, I want us to be focused on the election. I want me to be focused uh, on the election because I think this coming uh, presidential election is the most important election of my lifetime, possibly uh, of our country's uh, entire uh, lifetime. um, we've got before us the choice between continued uh, democracy as uh, imperfect and, and, and rather ugly uh, sometimes as it can be, and uh, straight up fascism in a, a dictator state. Uh, there's no question in my mind that we will not survive four more years of Donald Trump my ideal candidate elizabeth warren was not nominated i think that that is uh, an absolute disgrace uh, because she would have been an incredible president it makes me sad that we're not going to have that opportunity but that's in the past we got to get behind joe biden Uh, so that's what i'm going to be doing uh with my time between now uh and the election is figuring out everything i can do to to get behind and support joe biden uh and more importantly to defeat donald trump and uh, preserve our democracy uh, so after all of that, and an act of optimism, we'll begin to look past 2020 into 2021 into the future, starting to make plans February 21st, 2021, look forward to Banneker Bones and the Cyborg Conspiracy. Uh, if you have not started the Banneker Bones, uh, trilogy, uh, you can start with that first book, Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees, as an audiobook, and you're listening to this, so I know you like listening to things. It's not read by me, it's read by a, a wonderful professional, uh, narrator, David Radke, um, the uh, book is also available as a paperback, and the ebook for Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees is available to download for free whenever you're listening to this, so you can get your hands on that, get your, your feet wet with Banneker Bones, pay money for the second book, Banneker Bones and the Alligator People, and then by God, February 21st of 2021, look forward to Banneker Bones and the Cyborg Conspiracy make sure you're registered to vote, make sure that you're geared up for the uh, fight for our democracy that's coming very soon. Uh, And that's it, this intro is long enough by God, let's start the show. Laura Stegman, how are you doing?
1: I am doing great. I am uh, happy to be here and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, thank you so much for uh, clearing the time on what is undoubtedly a a busy schedule as we approach the launch of your debut novel. So. Huge congratulations on that. That's a, that's Thank a big you. deal. Thank you. Probably the best place usually to get started is I don't make people listen to me summarize their book or their biography because how terrible uh, in either case. Uh, so probably the best spot to get started is if you would tell the esteemed audience a little bit of your, about your background or whatever we need to know to know Laura Stegman.
1: Sure, I'm happy to do that. Um, I <clears throat> I grew up wanting to be an actress and intending to be an actress. And that was my, my goal. Um, I have a degree in drama and I, um, uh, after college I worked, a, I, you know, I acted all the way through high school and college, but <clears throat> after I started to try to make a living at it, I decided that, um, it wasn't really the kind of life that I wanted to live. So I started working, you know, Uh, at a at a at a special events organization and I discovered that I had a real aptitude for doing that and I had a boss there who said to me you know you should really learn to do publicity and my parents were are both publicists or they were when they were working and I was like "No, no 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 I would never want to do that but you know how that goes. And I ended up in a, my next job after that was in a pub, in a PR firm. And I was really lucky because I worked for a woman who um, allowed me to to learn as I went and I and I learned everything I knew. I know um, doing that. So um, eventually I started my own business and um, I uh, handle I typically handle publicity for arts clients. Uh, classical music, theater. Predominantly, I've also done a lot of special events and, you know, mostly for nonprofit organizations. And that's what I, that's what I do. That's what I've done for my, my entire adult professional life. And um, I love being a publicist because I've been lucky enough to have a lot of really good clients. But about um, 20 years ago, I started Um, I, you know, I was writing as a publicist uh, press releases and, and uh, pitch letters. And, and of course the whole PR business has changed over those years. And um, I ended up working with a friend on, on a, on a, on a blog uh, uh, kind of stories. And I, I really enjoyed doing that. And at that time, I, I just, I don't, You know, I'm not sure why at that time, but it just popped into my head that I wanted to write a a novel. And, of course, it would be a middle grade novel because middle grade literature, the the stuff I read when I was a kid, I was still reading and I loved it. And I wanted to, um, you know, write something that would make a kid today feel the way I felt about the middle grade books that I loved so much. So I started my, um, I started Summer of Luck back 20 years ago, and um, it's been a long journey.
0: 20 20 years for Summer of Luck, from uh, initial inception to the new version that releases,
1: what's the release date? September 15th, yes. Yeah, um, I mean, I didn't know anything about writing fiction back then, that's, you know, why it took a long time. Um, <laughs> <Sure>. I, <laughs> I, I, but I, I loved it. I loved the feeling I got when I, when I, was working on on the book. I it was the it was like a, a joy for me. You know, to everything that I used to feel about acting when I did that, and I would I would I would play a part, and I would I mostly did theater acting go on stage and I would, I would be that character and i you know, you know, the audience is there, but you, you don't really see them and you connect with them. And it's an, it's an exhilarating feeling. And that's how I was feeling when I was working on Summer of Luck. And, um, you know, it took me a a, lo- a couple of years probably to, to come up with um, the first version of it. And I thought it was the greatest thing in the world, <laughs> and uh, you know I had some agent contacts, and I sent it off to them, and I was anticipating, you know, fame and fortune, and um, you know, it was suggested that I that I keep working, and so I did. I, I never I never stopped trying to make um, it better. About uh, about I think about eight years ago. I mean, of course, you know there were long stretches of time when i was busy with my my profession and you know or just life and um so you, didn't, didn't, you
0: didn't spend 20 years at a desk staring at your uh, no. your uh, computer
1: <laughs> <laughs> no 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 in fact the first few versions of summer of luck were written on uh, a yellow legal pad so um uh anyway uh I I connected, I I had a, a, I actually got, um, my mother-in-law is a, or was a novelist and a book of hers was handled by an agent. And this agent, you know, he was always wanting to read everything. So he asked to read my book and he read it and he suggested that I work with a development editor that he knew. And that was like the best thing that ever happened because this man, this development editor, was um, just a huge gift. He he suggested that the book was an, an almost at an outline form as far as the story goes, and he wanted me to. He used to say, "Open your fist," and um, and he had me develop this story in a way that it never had been. The, the rewriting that I've done of this story. You know, really truly began in my work with him. And, um, and then a few years after that, and this was the biggest key of all was uh, that I, I hooked up with other writers and I connected with, with people on in the writing community online. And I, I started getting feet, you know, I, I entered every Twitter pitch contest and everything that I could to get feedback. And um, I got a lot of feedback and, and after, oh, and I got critique partners and I got um, beta readers and, and I got feedback from agents because I was, I was querying at that time. And every, every, everything that uh, I learned through that process, you know, eventually brought me to about a year ago, I, I would say, well, I would say, let's see what, oh, I can't even remember what year it is. I mean, I remember it's 2020. How could you forget? How could you (laughs) forget? It's the year that
0: will not end.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I know. The horror show. Um, But let's see. At the beginning of 2019 is when I really started getting interest from agents. I got a lot of requests and I had never gotten that before. So I knew I was, I was at a place, uh, I was at a good place with, with the book. And then again, yet I kept getting rejected, but the input that I was getting you know, really helped. And um, after I decided, I made a decision last year to query 100 agents and, at, and if I didn't get an agent at that point, I decided I was gonna go to a small press directly. And that's what I did, that's what happened. Last October, I started querying um, small presses, and I got a lot of requests again, uh, and I got one yes, and that was all I needed. And somebody who said Intense Publications, my publisher, who has just been wonderful, um, they said, we love this. And you know, that was, and it was a yes, so. that's that's really my journey to publication. I mean in 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 like 3 minutes, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, we might we might go back and pick through a little bit of that.
1: <laughs> sure, absolutely, cuz there yeah, I mean there's a lot more to it, but that's kind of the the treetop story.
0: Oh, it's a it's a good story with a happy ending because here you are, you've got your debut launch after 20 years, you you stuck with it, you persevered. Uh, and now, uh, because you're on the Middle Grade Ninja podcast, I can only assume that great fame and fortune awaits you. So this is just wonderful.
1: <laughs> you know, the fact the fact that that somebody who I don't know will read this book that's you know that's what I, I I really wanted. And you know, as I as I kind of said, you know, when I was a kid and I read all these books that I read, and and I would the idea that I could. Uh, make somebody feel the way I felt when I read my favorite books, which I continued to read over and over again until I, you know, started reading, you know, that's another part of my journey is that once I started reading contemporary middle grade literature, that was really helpful too, because it, it, you know, I was reading books from my childhood, which, you know, is in the early part of last century. Uh, not really, but, um,
0: She said 2005 esteemed audience. That uh, That's what I
1: <laughs> So, yeah, so I've read a lot that, that was very helpful to see what was selling to see what people, and, and the good news was that I found a lot of books that, that gave me that same feeling that I had when, when I was a kid. So, you know, that, that was it. really important. I mean, being a, being an avid reader ever since I was a kid, I read voraciously. And I think because I never studied writing um, formally, you know, I think being a, being a good reader, being a, a, a reader like that, that was significantly important for me to learn how to even construct a sentence, you know,
0: Sure, give me a voracious reader almost over an MFA student and uh, we'll be in good shape, although there tends to be a lot of overlap between MFA students and voracious readers. Um, what, uh, what, what books did you read in childhood? And then when you came back to contemporary middle grade, what were, what were some standouts that may have influenced you in your writing?
1: My favorite book in the world is a book called The Diamond in the Window by a woman named Jane Langton. And again, we're talking deep into the last century um, that that book was published. But the interesting thing about it is that um, when I read that book, no one ever, no one else ever um, that I knew ever read it. I just found it in the library, and it had this gorgeous cover, you know, library books—those so smooth, um, not the plastic cover, but the I don't know what they are, but. I love library books with those kind of covers, and it was about two kids, and one of them was a, a there was a sister and brother, and they um, were trying to save their house from from the bank, and it's a fantasy story just like *Summer of Luck*. And the the girl in the book, she um, she was always embarrassed that she had freckles, and I was always embarrassed that I had that I had freckles. And I have freckles, and I was shocked that anybody else would be in a book, you know, and have the same thing. And part of the story is that she learns to to um, accept herself just like she is, with freckles and all. And that meant so much to me, and I never forgot that story. And I, I have read it over and over again. It's it's a wonderful book, again from from its time. Um, So that was one of my favorites. And um, wait, I was going to make a point about that, Uh, but I forgot. So I'll just. That sounds like a book
0: about learning to accept yourself would be pivotal uh, for the writer that is to eventually go on to uh, pen
1: uh, Summer of Luck, which right, right. Spoil site spoiler is
0: maybe about learning to accept yourself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean that that was my point. I just sometimes lose track. Um, but um, you asked me what my favorite books were, so that was that was the number one, and then I also loved uh, Beverly Cleary, and there was one Beverly Cleary book in particular called Ellen Tebbitz, which was also about a girl who, who, you know, had a dark secret that her mother made her wear long underwear, and she used to hide in the closet at her ballet school, so no one else would see her, and then it turned out that this other girl's mother made her wear long underwear and she hid in the closet too, and they become friends. And that, you know, just this kind of sense of, 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 um, you know, real kid feelings and real kid problems. Like I never, I had to read books really to, to, and, you know, and movies and things like that. I mean, I really, I had a good childhood essentially, but, I, I never developed a sense of accepting myself really for many, many years until I was an adult and, and reading those books made it possible, at least for me to know that it was possible to, to, to love yourself just like you were, instead of always trying to be, you know, maybe what my mom wanted me to be or my dad, something like that. So, um, and then, then the other set of books that were my favorite as a kid were the all-of-a-kind family books, which were a series of books about a Jewish family growing up on the, up on the Lower East Side in the early part of the 1900s. And um, it was a really wonderful family story with um, just a lot of sentimental, you know, happy endings. Um, I love happy endings. <laughs> So, um, that so, is
0: surprising to hear since summer of luck ends so devastatingly. No, I'm not teasing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my saying. god, really? Okay, so, um, uh, today I, I have three favorites that I've read in the past couple years. The first one is called The Miraculous by Jess Redman, mm-hmm. and it's about a little boy who has a tragedy in his family and he. He just learns to believe in miracles again. I mean, you know, happy endings are relative sometimes, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that everything turns out okay. It just means you figure out how to do life and, and be okay no matter what's going on. So that book just really touched me. I, I love books that make me cry. Um, I also loved a book called A Patron Saint for Junior Bridesmaid, For a patron saint, for Junior Bridesmaids by Shelley Togus. And um, that book is about a girl who is um, a a Catholic, very, you know, practices her Catholic faith faith very strongly. And she's gonna be a junior bridesmaid in her cousin's wedding. And she continues, she keeps praying for solutions for her life problems. And um, she ends up learning about tolerance and and, um, compassion for others. She had an incident with a bully that she kind of regrets during the story. And anyway, um, again, it's the kind of happy ending that, you know, the bully didn't stop being a bully. The bully, you know, she just kind of learns compassion for for a kid that was having the problems that this other kid was having. So that was a great, I love that book too. And um, I'm blanking on, on a third one, but that's enough of me talking about all the books I love. I, you, you know, I assure
0: I... you, esteemed audience can't get enough of great book recommendations. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they've all got books uh, at the, the side of their bed table like I do that are just stacked up uh, with, a, with a promise of one day. But by God, if you, if you make a good case for a book, okay, there's always room for one more on that stack.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm reading a book right now called The Metropolitans. Um, it's a, I haven't finished it yet, but I love it very much. I forgot who the, the author is, embarrassingly enough. Um, uh, and it's about four kids on the day that um, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. But it's a fantasy, and it, it's, it's like a time-bending book, and it takes place at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. And I love New York, so I, it, you know, there's a lot of references to the city that are that are lots of fun to read, and it's very well written, so I'm really enjoying that.
0: So, kind of tracing your 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 journey just a little bit, because I'm I'm fascinated by actors because I had uh, at one point for like oh maybe all of a year, uh, I thought oh, I'll be an actor, and then I realized how much work was involved, and. Um, how much you had to have a tougher skin than I had. Uh, and I couldn't sing. <laughs> there were a lot of a lot of factors in, in, in my deciding that it was better to focus on something else. Um, but I had friends who have, have gone on and some of them have had some success. Um, my wife went to high school with the woman who played the maid in the Sopranos, who I guess uh, also played a maid on, I think, Gilmore Girls and a couple of other things. So, you know, A superstar adjacent, I would say. Um, (laughs) But I also know some actors who, gosh, I I almost wish they'd pursued writing (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it would be a little bit less rejection. Um, So when did you decide you wanted to be an actress and what was the process of deciding that wasn't maybe so great?
1: My dad was a publicist in the movie business and um, I just love the idea of being a child actor I mean not that that had anything to do with his job but he you know he used to bring my sister and me into um, the studio and take us on sets and it was just so glamorous you know the idea of of all this happening and um any movie sets that a uh, esteemed audience might might recognize? Depends on how old they are. <laughs> Let me think of the most... Oh, uh, Mary Poppins was, was one of the biggest excitement of my young life. Wow, that um,
0: would be... Wow. Yeah.
1: Yep, right?
0: That's a and, part of your childhood? That's amazing.
1: Yeah, and Mary Poppins was the scene where... Uh, they were uh, on the in the Jolly holiday section of the movie where there were, there were um, you know the cartoon characters and the, the penguins and the dancing and all that stuff. It was the part where Mary Poppins wins the horse race and they were um, handing her a bouquet of flowers. but since they were animated, the characters that handed her the flowers I just I'll never forget this you know, Julie Andrews standing there and and going, thank you, thank you. And she received, you know, flower thing on on a wire comes over and it was just very memorable. And the children, the the kids who played Jane and Michael were there and I got to meet them. And, you know, so it was just, and they were dressed in these just adorable outfits. And that's what I wanted to do. I want to be one of these kids. And of course, my parents would have none of that. You know, you're going to school and you're going to study, something that's, that you can fall back on. you know? So I never got to, uh, you know, I mean, the, the closest I got to being an actress when I was a little kid was, you know, going to some class or something like that. But um, I, I used to pretend, I mean, I think this is, this really does tie probably to my imagination as a writer is that when I was a little kid, I would fall in love with some TV show and I would and if there was a kid on it, or even if there wasn't, I would make up a character and I would imagine episodes in my head for the story of what I was. And at night, you know, when I'd go to bed, I would act it out. You know, So I had a very vivid imagination and uh, uh, that, that was, you know, what and, and like I said, as I grew up and I got into acting classes in school and high school, especially, and, you know, being in, 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 in the acting clique, you know, it's, it's a real family. I mean, it, it I have friends today that I had friends back th- that were my friends back then, my acting friends. And, um, you know, like I said, it made me feel special to be in a play, to be someone else, to, um, to act out whatever the character was. It just brought me a lot of joy. And, and then, you know, and same for college. You know, I, I, I did a lot of acting in college. And then after college, um, you know, I live in Los Angeles. I've always lived in Los Angeles. I came back from college, which was near Los Angeles, and I. The opportunities to act in Los Angeles were commercials and movies and TV, and I'm kind of a character type, and and I I did not find that to be rewarding at all. I did not like um, the opportunities. I didn't like the having to put myself out there the way that you did and um, I wanted more stability in my life I found that that the life of an actor wasn't as wasn't as uh, much as it the glamour of it you know I mean when I was faced with the reality of it there's really not a lot of glamour it's hard work and um, I wasn't I wanted stability in, at that point in my life. This was this was like in my 20s, as I said. So um, I, I got a job in an office and I, I, I found that that was the stability that I was looking for. You know, I knew where I was going every morning. I would have a paycheck at the end of the month or whenever. And, um, you know, I was really good at the things that I ended up working at, so. Um, I, and ultimately I ended up, this is why it's so ironic because ultimately I, I didn't want to work for anyone else anymore. And that's why I started my own business. So talk about instability. You know? <laughs> My life is a series of contradictions. I, I can't, I can't even explain how it happened, but I've been so lucky because once I started my own business, I, I, I you know I had a lot of contacts my parents connected me with I said they were publicists so they connected me with people and and that was really helpful I I bow down to them for you know for being um they they never hired me they couldn't afford to do that which was like the best gift they could ever give me because I had to do it on my own, but they helped a lot. And then one client would lead to another. And, you know, here we are some 30 years later. And, um, you know, that's what I, what I still do. And, and, uh, and I, I liked again, another contradiction. I like being behind the scenes. I didn't like putting myself out there. And when I, when I, one of the reasons I wanted to have an agent so badly was for, for my writing was because I thought, well, if, if I have an agent, then someone else really thinks I'm good enough to publish this book. And then I can put myself out there. But I talked to a friend of mine because she was really urging me to, to just somehow get this book into, into, you know, get this book published, whatever it was going to take. And and i just kept going no 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 you don't understand i can't i can't put myself out there and she said to me she asked me one day why not and i had to think about it for a minute and i i realized that there was no good reason that i couldn't do that and as it turns out i'm i'm loving talking about my book i'm loving you know um doing all the things that I'm doing that normally I send my clients to do. And I give them all the checklists, you know, be sure to, be sure to watch the show before you're on it and have some talking points. And, you know, and here I am, because I'm just talking to you about what is in my heart, as opposed to some business that I'm trying to remember what You know, what is the most important thing about them. So this is this is a gift to me. It's a treat. I love it. And, um, you know, that that sort of speaks to some more significant parts of my story than than I mentioned earlier.
0: There are so many good follow-up questions. One, I want to make a promise to esteemed audience uh, that we will talk more about publicity. It's not lost on me that we have a publicist with a debut novel, and by God, we will talk about it. Uh, <laughs> but I want I to dive into the novel. But before we leave acting behind, I do wonder um, what uh, skills from your time as an actress have you brought with you and have translated into writing? because I'm of the opinion that every writer should do at least a little bit of acting, but I'll let you elucidate why.
1: Yeah. I mean that, that's definitely the case. I tend to be very visual about, uh, you know, what I'm writing. Um, I, I, I know exactly what the kids in my book look like. I know what the setting looks like. Um, and I, uh, when I'm writing, it, it, it helps me to envision what is going on inside them, just the way that I would if I was preparing for an acting role. Like, what's the gut feeling of this person at any given moment? And, and that, from those places, the words come out. And sometimes I can't necessarily think of the, the right words or the words that end up being on the page, but I, so I just write down, you know, she feels sick or she feels thrilled or whatever, you know, whatever it is. I can't really think of anything right now, but, um, you know, or she's scared or, you know, she's pissed off. Like, like when I was writing Summer of Luck, there was a lot about, um, one of the characters, the girl character that, that I relate to a lot in, in, in childhood. And, and I just used to remember how, how it felt when this would happen or that would happen. And then, you know, I would, I would bring myself back to that, that moment. And, and again, like, like I was building a character to act. And um, so that's one of the important ways that's really helped me. Another thing is, you know, what are they doing when they're sitting there talking? You know, are they scratching their head? Are they um, studying their nails? <laughs> you know, I mean, you you need to refer to that stuff a lot if you're going to avoid saying he sh- said, she said, you know, that kind of thing. And um, so, so or, or facial expressions, you know, are are they going like, you know, it's easier to go than to write down what that looks like, you know. So I have to start someplace and I do it, I do it based on a lot of, um, of things I learned, you know, when, when I was acting.
0: Gotcha. And you said you, you keep track of what everybody looks like, what your setting is, all of that stuff. Do you keep a journal of just notes to accompany the story or do you just keep it all up in your head? For 20 years or <laughs> how, well, I mean, how do you keep track of it
1: summer of luck evolved over time remember so that that's a I I do make notes but I'm not one of those writers that lays everything out I mean when summer of luck was being you know the first time it was it was all, I mean, I had an idea of the arc of the story, but it wasn't, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. And, and as it turned out, if you look at that first draft of Summer of Luck, it's, it's almost nothing like the story that, that came up today. The characters are the same, you know, the, or at least the three main characters are the same. Um, And the, the idea of you know, these kids learning to believe in themselves, that's the same. But other than that, you know, it's, it's all very different. And, um, the, uh, I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> We're, so, just talking about how you're, how you're the uh,
0: characters <laughs> and everything else.
1: Oh yeah. So, so, um, well, since the, do you want, is this a good time? Maybe we should say what the book's about before I start. No, I want to
0: leave esteemed audience a complete mystery. No, yes, absolutely. <laughs> let's, let's let them know. Okay. If you would, give so, us an overview of the book.
1: Sure. Um, so Summer of Luck is about three kids who, um, who uh, are finding their way to self-acceptance with the help of a ghost who haunts a magical carnival. So that's the, the, the basic uh, story, but it's about um, these three kids and they all struggle with some kind of communication. Uh, the girl, Darby, is 11 and she stutters. Uh, one of the younger boy, Naz, he's 10 years old and he has just moved to America from Morocco with his mom and he speaks French and Arabic, but he's just learning English. And the third this, or the second boy, the third of the three is Justin and he's 12. And right before the story starts, Justin's father has died and he has completely stopped talking. So the three of them meet at summer camp and the second that they, the three of them are in one place at one time, they start hearing this calliope music, like from a carousel. And all of a sudden they can hear each other's thoughts. And so they're able to communicate telepathically like that, which, you know, is convenient. <laughs> for it
0: solves their kids' communication <laughs> problems nicely. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and and ultimately, you know, they they are able to communicate other otherwise. But it's a it's a part of the story that they're able to continue to do that through the story. And they 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 have no idea where this music is or why this music is doing this. So they they sneak over to this uh, abandoned warehouse next to their camp and they sneak in to the, uh, to the warehouse. And it's a big, beautiful, bright carnival, um, old-fashioned carnival with old-fashioned rides and old-fashioned it, you know, uh, games and, and everything like that. And they, they meet this ghost who is, is, used to be the owner and the, his name is Leroy Usher. Carnival King and that's the L period, U period, C period, K period in the title. Um, And he asks them for their help in um, reconciling his estranged adult children. And in return, he promises that he will help them find their voices. And so it, it is through Uh, his carnival rides, his magical carnival rides, that he takes them on these adventures and they learn through what he teaches them. And as they learn themselves, you know, how to find their, exactly how to find their voices. And that means different things to different kids. But that's, um, that's the gist of the story. So when you asked me the question about how did I keep track, I had, um, you know, three kids, and they're all at the summer camp, and they all have bunk mates. And I, you know, I had to make up all these names for their bunk mates, and you know, I had to keep track of which which characters were, you know, who was the counselor. So things like that, I I definitely made good notes on, and I, um, I was I was, you know, I also got a lot of advice to say, you know you got to eliminate some of these characters. There's too many, (laughs) there's too many names. So, you know, I, I did that, but I mean, anything that, that is that kind of, you know, or or a timeline, I, you know, I had to figure out, well, uh, the, first of all, the book takes place in 1999 um, for a reason that well, I'm writing a sequel to it and the sequel has to take place around then because of other real related things. but um, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent here. but the point is that I do keep keep track of things like that, but I do not I know it's really common for many authors to write like a Bible for each character and that's just not it's not my, my way I am very spontaneous about about the story I I I find that writing as I'm writing the sequel because my my wonderful publisher not only uh signed me for summer of luck but for two sequels so I am uh almost at the end of of book two which continues the following summer and um I can I hope you're still you know,
0: having fun. If you've got a third book yet,
1: <laughs> I, I know it's <laughs> like, go. oh my God, what's the third one going to be about? But I'm not. I mean, as I write this book, I am amazed, and 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 this same feeling of joy when I'm writing a scene, and I'm not really sure exactly how it's going to play out. But all of a sudden, I'm typing. Now I I do everything on on a computer, not not on a yellow legal pad, but. Um, you know, it is a joy when something comes out of me that I had no idea what it was going to be. And that's what I love about writing. That's why, why being um, a novelist, it's not something I'm, you know, I don't expect necessarily. Uh, Oops, sorry, I kicked the camera, Um, you know. I don't know what's going to happen with it. I hope people read it. I hope they love it. And, um, but it, it needed to come out. So that's why I, that's why I do it. That's why I get a lot of joy out of it.
0: So are you kind of more, I, I feel like every author is somewhere on that uh, spectrum between Panser and Plotter. And I'm assuming you're a little bit closer to Panser than than Plotter. Do Absolutely. You any kind of
1: Plotter? Um, let me, let me talk about the sequel right now without giving too much detail on it. Um, but first of all, none
0: of the characters from book one are in it because they all died.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. That was my happy ending. Um, actually, well, book one, one of the things that I, just to digress completely, one of the things that I learned about writing when I was working with a development editor, um, I had a, I had so many points of view in the first versions of Summer of Luck. I had I had the counselor's point of view. I had, you know, the three kids. I, it was just like crazy. I didn't really understand about having, especially in middle grade, um, having, you know, points of view that were clear and, and as minimal as they could be. And right now, I mean, not right now, because this is the book that's being published, but it's the... You know the points of view of the three kids, and every so often, the the children of the ghost, the adult children, there will be points of view of them because the story's tied together like that. But um, you know, there's no counselor's point of view. There's no camp director's point of view. There's no wife of the of the older son's point of view. I mean, I had this scene in my first draft where, you know, this, this woman was at a society luncheon, and the idea of that scene was to show why she was pushing her husband to, uh, to sell the, the warehouse where the carnival is, you know, where she didn't, she, it was a motivation thing completely unnecessary, you know? But it just took me, th- th- this is the kind of thing that happened as I've been on this writer's journey. You know, I've just, I've learned what what belongs and what doesn't. And, you know, I didn't, I kind of, uh, <laughs> I don't regret taking that scene out, but there's a number of other scenes that as I continued to make the book better and better, They didn't advance the story at all. There was a scene where uh, the kids play tug of war. And it was a lot of fun. There was a scene where they play a baseball game, totally fun, but nothing happened that needed to be there. And so I had to axe those scenes. So, um, Always
0: painful. Do you just delete them, or do you keep them someplace oh, where you can I maybe eventually repurpose
1: them? Don't worry. Everything I've ever cut is in <laughs> is in, a, is in a file. I haven't looked at that file in a very long time. But um, so so for you know for that book, like I said, it was a very long process. Uh, for this book, you know, I'm really I'm technically. On my first draft, although since my deadline, um, you know, is is sooner than twenty years, it, <laughs> I I have to um, you know increase my speed and I have to polish a little as I go. Um, but uh, I knew at the beginning of this book, I I had an idea of why I wanted to write Summer of Luck too, which is called Ready or Not, and um, I decided it was going to be from the point of view of Justin the older boy, and I decided that there were a lot of things that are happening in our world today, our country that were really bothering me, and I wanted to write a story about a kid who not who wasn 't experiencing that kind of thing, but how do you you know how does a kid learn to um, be okay when a lot of things aren't okay. I mean, and COVID-19 just popped up to help me along with that because that's another kind of, you know, very challenging situation in so many ways. And um, so I knew that's what I wanted to write about, but I really, I didn't exactly know how the story was gonna play out, but I just started writing and here I am, probably like two or three chapters from the end. I know what's gonna happen now. But I I haven't written the a very pivotal chapter at the end and I'm not sure how it's gonna how it's gonna play out. I just know sort of that it's gonna play out and I'll find out when I get there.
0: You don't have notes, it's just let's find out what happens today. I hope it's great.
1: No, no, I, I have it all I have it I have it written out in the sense of like, you know, Justin does this and he talks to this and, you know, and then this happens and I have all these different um, things that the characters could say, I have all that written, written out, but I'm not going to use all of that. So how that ends up becoming a a chapter, um, you know, that remains to be seen. It, it, it will, that's how I've always written and, and it, it just, and And you know the other thing is that, especially in writing this book on a deadline, you know i I wrote this whole scene um, and I knew what I wanted to happen, but I just couldn't I couldn't express it I couldn't think of the i mean the words about what was happening were all on the paper, but not in. In the way you want your book to be written and I just was so stuck and I was like I'd say to my husband every night I I can't write it turns out I can't write and I you know I'm not good at this and I'll never get and he would say just keep going and I would and the next night I would have my scene so that happened enough that I've essentially learned to trust the process you know just go edit something else if it's not coming out, or you know um, read read a book or whatever and um that that's kind of how I write it, it may I, I don't know if there's probably many other writers that are like that, but maybe not i I've definitely heard um I've listened to a lot of interviews with writers, and I've heard everything you know from from kind of like seat of the pants to plotters, you know, who, who are very detailed. I've never taken a, a, I've never, you know, gone to writing school. So I'm not really sure how that's taught. But I kind of like, um, I just like, it, it works for me. So
0: I frequently make the joke and esteemed audience, regular esteemed re- uh, audience members will have to forgive me because they've heard it before. Uh, but I would say that if I hit, get two or three really successful authors in a row, tell me they all do the same thing in the same way, then I'm done talking to authors. I'm just going to do what they're doing and that's it. <laughs> hasn't happened yet uh we'll we'll, we'll see where we we'll get there somewhere out there is somebody that writes every night in a coffin uh and it's <laughs> perfect for their process and i haven't talked to them yet but i'm sure that when they explain it to me it'll make perfect sense for how their uh, how their brain works so when, I, I have uh, a
1: i have a theory um because i've heard enough i i heard an interview in fact it's one that you did with an author who said she wrote her, her book and three months or something like that, three to six months. And and that woman has a gift. That woman has the writer's gift. My sister has the writer's gift. My sister's a, 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 a novelist as well. Um, and she teaches creative writing. She's She writes incredible short stories. I am half, she's t- 10 times the writer that I will ever be. She's a well, born so shout writer. So your
0: sister, what is her name, Mark? Her name my, I'm
1: is Susan Siegel. And uh, her book is called Aria, like the opera thing, Aria. And um, so check it out. And um, she also writes short stories. So you can find those by Googling her, I'm sure. Um, so, but I'm the kind of writer that it's, it's not, it doesn't come naturally. It takes a lot uh, to come up with the kinds of things that, that end up being my final version of something. So, you know, I I think we all have to compensate for what what our our given level of talent is and if 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 that works for me then then I'm fine with that, you know. I mean, really working with other, getting input from other writers and reading their stuff, you know, the critique partner thing is has been just a huge part of of my ability to to learn, to see what a, what a critique partner says, you know, how they interpret somebody that I trust says to me, you know, that really doesn't read right. I I, I'm not getting what you're trying to say, or if they say, well, you know, this, this person, you know, why is he doing that? And I'm thinking to myself, well, don't you remember three chapters ago, they did this. And clearly they don't remember that. So instead of saying to them, you don't remember this, I have to look at that. And I have to figure that a middle grade kid, if an adult doesn't remember it, then maybe a middle grade kid isn't going to. So I got to, I got to shuffle things around. I got to strengthen that. I have to listen. And I have to um, not just think everything i write is like golden cuz you know some days i think that and then 3 weeks later i'm reading it and i'm like oh my god this this doesn't work at all and i have to rewrite it so that's just part of the process
0: yeah if i haven't uh, congratulated myself on writing my most brilliant novel yet at least 3 times but also despaired <laughs> that i've lost all the talent i ever had and this will ruin me at least 3 or 4 times that i'm not i'm not having the full experience totally
1: and and just you know the idea that I have to keep going I have to keep at it I have to never give up because this is what I love and this is what I want to do and and it you know however long it takes just like with with my first book you know it just took what it took and and here I am you know on the less than a month away of having this book in print you know that's like it's a miracle. I'm I'm incredibly grateful, and I'm so I'm so glad that I that I didn't give up, that I didn't stop, you know, or that I didn't abandon this book. I mean, I people would say not people, but I I did hear from one uh, uh, other writer, not somebody that I was working with, but just kind of you know the way that you connect with people online. You know, you need to 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 move on from that book, it's not going anywhere, and I was like, no, I mean, not, I'm not going to give up, I am going to keep working to make it better, so that it is a book that somebody will want to purchase, you know, a publisher will want to purchase, so, and that's where, where I ended up going, so I, I absolutely, if anybody says to me, you know, should I just give this whole thing up, I'd say if it's what you want to do and you believe in this, your story, if it's a story you want to tell, keep going. Don't give up.
0: Well, I always think that if uh, you can give up, go be free. But most writers I know can't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly. I mean, if they, if, you know, that was sort of my point that, that if it's, if it's a story you feel like you have to tell, you're not going to want to give up, but if, if you do want to let it go, then that's your answer, you know? And, and I know a lot of people write, I've, I've heard a, a lot of authors, um, you know, they write several different books at once, or they work on one for a while, and then they go to the other. I, I can't even imagine that. I mean, I, when I was writing Summer of Luck, I, I, I envisioned it as a, as a series, you know, with, with a couple of sequels, but I still really thought that was all I had to say. And I, I couldn't imagine necessarily writing another book. Um, but of course, here I am, my second book almost finished. And because it's the same characters and everything, it's similar setting. You know, I thought, well, maybe that's the only story I ever have to tell is Justin, Darby, and Naz. But now I had this idea the other day, spontaneously, like of another story that is not about these three kids. And maybe it's not even middle grade. I don't know. But I'm going to see what happens with that. I mean, that's why it's so much fun to write because, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, you're not in in, in, a, in a box. you get to you get to write about whatever comes out of your head. you know I know you write a lot of um, different genres.
0: I try to uh, keeps it keeps it fun and interesting and at the end of the day, the number one uh, person I'm writing for is mostly me. I've got some esteemed readers in mind always, but if I'm not happy, then why, what are we doing here? exactly
1: exactly exactly and that's that's it it's like that's me finding my voice me finding my voice of telling the story of summer of luck and and then the story of justin in book two and you know we're gonna go back to darby's uh voice in in book in book three i don't know what the story
0: is gonna know without spoiling obviously but how much do you know about book three writing book 2 and how 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 much are you going to hate yourself if you don't set your book up nicely in book 2 <laughs> um the
1: idea the vision that i have for book 3 is that this whole well i, don't, I i'm not going to say this until i finish book 2 but but it's going to be a whole other story and it's not going to take place at camp and it's not going to have much of Justin and Naz in it. It's going to be a, a Darby story. Yeah, so you've got I'll,
0: pretty wide freedom then going into book three.
1: Yeah, I I have no idea what direction it's going to take, but I'll find out. Like I said,
0: for having just written the. The third of the Vanekers, I, I I had the experience of hitting past me. I why didn't you set me up better? Now I have to do oh. <laughs> extra setup <laughs> here to cap this off. <laughs> um, wait, let's see, I'm uh, looking at our time uh, flying by as it always does. Um, quick pivot, and then we'll, we'll we'll make good on my my promise, and we'll talk about your your promotion plan uh, for a summer of luck. Uh, but before we do that, Laura Stegman, have you ever seen a flying saucer and or a ghost?
1: I've seen Mr. Usher, Leroy Usher, Carnival King. He's the ghost.
0: <laughs> like in um, real life, you saw something that inspired no, him? Or just no, your imagination? no, 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 no.
1: No, but I, I was looking forward to you asking me this question about the flying saucers because, again, aging myself. Um, No, I've never seen a flying saucer or a ghost, Um, but when I was a kid at Disneyland, they had this ride, flying saucers, and it was the most fun ride. It was like a bumper boats, but they were in the shape of flying saucers, and you would lean, and and the air would come up, and that's how you would move. It was such a fun ride, and that's my flying saucer story. So I've never seen a real one, but I've seen those. I know
0: Walt Disney uh, was said to have been a, a, a have a keen interest in flying saucers. Because of course, there were a couple of different cartoons uh, that that he went on to inspire. Then there were also a couple of episodes of the, the Magical World of Disney. That I think that's the show where he came on and narrated before the start. And they just did straight UFO documentaries before there were regular UFO documentaries, and that was part of the the Wonderful oh. World of Disney
1: interesting <laughs> well he had a lot of he had a lot of interests that were you know the tree was interested in trains he was interested in in uh trains <laughs> i can't think of anything else but he yes he obviously had quite an imagination
0: (laughs) but also animation and
1: musicals
0: (laughs) (laughs) or so i've always been told that's uh part of what fantasia was about anyway oh yeah right
1: (laughs) yeah what an um, imagination yeah
0: i tell you what mr disney when you get thought out if you hear this and you'd like to come set the record straight, you are welcome on this show. Clear
1: anytime. your name.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's, uh, let's talk. The, the publicist begins to promote her debut novel. And we should point out again, you do not uh, publicize books. You, uh, you do all manner of arts, but have you ever promoted any author, any book of any kind? Mm,
1: no, I haven't. I haven't. And so like with my writing, I mean, I had to, I kind of had to learn by not, not learn by doing exactly because I'm, I'm the one thing you asked me about keeping notes, I have a a notebook that for for ever, I I would say right after I signed my contract with Intense Publications, which was last, um, October or November, anyway, last fall, and um, I started I started scouring the internet for for websites and podcasts and and uh, other places that I was seeing authors do' well, say I have you know I have a bag full of notes that ultimately get transcribed into this notebook. but that that, anytime I would see something, I would make a note about it. And, and so when I put together my publicity plan, it had all these resources that I had already looked into and found, oh yeah, that's something where I'd like to do an interview on that show or that uh, blog or whatever. Um, I knew, you know, from my own publicity work, I knew that like, for example, in Los Angeles, there were some Media outlets print and otherwise that were aimed at families and parents with kids. So, so I, you know, I knew I, and I even knew who to pitch on those. Um, but it's, it's not that complex, you know, when you're looking at a website and there's a contact page, you can figure out who to, who to pitch, but um, I think the thing that gives me the edge is that I knew that I couldn't just say, Hey, I wrote a book. Want to interview me? I mean, I knew that that wasn't going to fly that, you know, I mean, that would clearly say amateur amateur. So I, um, I put together a pitch letter that told my story, you know, I mean, not, not my story of being a writer, but the story of, you know, loving this book when I was a kid and wanting to write a book that would make some kid today feel the way I felt about it. I I indicated the things that I could discuss during an interview, and um, I provided all kinds of background uh, about myself, you know, bio and establishing my credentials as a as a as a nonfiction writer. And um, yeah, that that's you know that's what I would do for a client. You know, I would figure out what I wanted, where I wanted the client's publicity to appear. And I would come up with a pitch letter that was tailored to those, um, those media outlets. And sometimes it would be a little different depending on like, for example, for, for the children's magazine in, in Los Angeles that I, that I pitched, I mean, they don't care about what my writer's journey is. So I didn't include stuff like that, but they they would be more interested, I think, in the idea of um, the kids' journey, the kids' journey to self acceptance. That the stories about like, some kids who find a way to accept themselves. That's what what a um, a family magazine would would be more interested in. Whereas a a, a writer's blog or something that focuses on on writers' journeys, obviously, that would be much more suitable to them. The the you know where I really would like to advance to, and this is something that that I haven't quite gotten to yet, is getting getting my book into the hands of. Um, you know, when, when they have like twenty books to read this fall, like those kind of media outlets, I'm still learning about those and I'm still exploring them. And again, just like with my writing, I'm turning to other writers. You know, what was your experience with that? I mean, being a being an author is like what, 40% of of, of it, you know, and the other half is keeping in touch with people, what's going on, you know, all, uh, I, I got to be in this TikTok video, um, because this writers group that I'm part of, um, posted that a TikTok person was looking for writers to, it was a, a thing called pass the book challenge, and we all held our books up, and we, um, oh, for, we caught them, and then we dropped them, and each person in the follow in the video, you know, would catch the book or, you know, their, their book. And it was just a cute little, like, I don't know, one minute TikTok videos, my, my one chance at being an internet sensation, (laughs) but it was fun. And it was, it was something I just was like, oh my God, am I going to be able to do this? How do, you know, can my, where do I set my camera up? But now I know, you know, now I know how to do stuff like that. And every time I do something that, it's like Darby in the story, or all three kids in the story. Every time I do something I don't think I can do, but I do it anyway, I learn a lot. And I feel really good about myself.
0: Well, until you try to do the one thing that turns out you can't do, like swim with the shark. or
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a
0: <laughs> I think that's a good last thought to have, honestly. Is, oh, I really thought I could do that.
1: <laughs> well, well and, and, you know, like I said, I mean, there are some, some, you know, writers who work, whose books are purchased by, you know, the big five. I mean, they have a lot, they have publicists, you know, publicists who are book publicists. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, at that level and um maybe i will be someday maybe i won't but um meanwhile i can do the best i can for summer of luck and 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 let as many people know about it as possible putting myself out there like i said on the on instagram on twitter on facebook you know all that stuff not my comfort zone but but i'm you know i'm getting i'm i'm getting uh I'm doing it to the extent that I am comfortable with it.
0: You're uh, being very humble, uh, which <laughs> I appreciate, but let me assure esteemed audience, as somebody who receives a fair amount of information from various book uh, publicists, uh, I found Laura's package to be uh, extraordinarily uh, insightful. Uh, and obviously it worked. I said, yes, absolutely, let's, 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 let's talk. Um, in fact, uh, let's go over a few of the things that, that came in that. Uh, because you sent, what well, you said, uh, you had a, a press kit that has a summary of the book, you've got a bio just about you, you got automatically a cover. I, I'm, I'm always, it's not that big of a deal in the internet age, because I could find a, 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 a copy of your cover out there in the world. But it's always like, hey, let me, let, would you promote me on your blog, Mr. Ninja? I don't have a cover of the book. Just bare my <laughs> Help me out a little bit. This is a free thing I'm doing. I don't have all night. Uh, so we've got the cover. We've got a news release. We've got, and then we've got a sell sheet. So let's go through uh, each of that. What is that? Five things? I'm so bad at math. Um,
1: I have, I have a, the cell the sheet is, um, again, I learned this from, well, I, you know, Intense has a number, a lot of different authors and, 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 the middle grade writers among us have kind of gotten together. And we're, you know, we're sort of um, sharing information, especially those of the, the ones who've had their books published sooner. So I learned about a sell sheet from, from that, you know, and I, I had no, I'd never even heard of it before. Um, but I just, you know, I looked at, I looked up examples of them, and I, I created that. And you know, it's got the, the cover of the book, it's got, a, a, you know, the blurb, you know, like a two paragraph summary of the book. It has, you know, what format is it available in? Um, what are the prices? Um, I have a quote from uh, an endorsement type quote from another author. Um, where do you, I mean, in, on that particular sell sheet, I mean, the book's available everywhere, but um, it has the publisher's contact information. And, um, you know, it's just kind of like an all-in-one place, piece of information if somebody wants to, uh, it's not like for the public per se, it's for, it's for someone who wants to, um, to, you know, know how to, if someone's writing an article about it, is it available in ebook? Is it available in paperback? Is it available in audiobook or whatever? Summer of Lux available in hardcover, paperback and ebook. So that's all on there. And it's, it's, you know, who's the distributor? Ingram is our dis- distributor. So anything that anybody would need to know if they were either writing about it, or if they wanted to to stock the book, a bookseller would would if if I was going directly to a bookstore and if I could go into a bookstore, in the uh, you know on the in the uh, this time of COVID and quarantine, that's what I would bring. I would bring that to them, and it would be a you know all in one place sort of sell sheet. It would be selling the book basically. So that's one thing, and the press release. Um, You know basically has the announcement I did one earlier on that um announced that the book was acquired by by um intense but now the
0: press release at at the time of it being
1: acquired I did yes well that's fantastic yeah and now the one that is in the press kit is that it's available for pre-order when when it went up for pre-order um, and it is available. I mean, you know, if someone's reading this six months into the future, you know, you can get it pretty much anywhere, but, and you can right now too, but um, I have a, a, I made a connection with a bookstore, my local independent bookstore, and they're doing this pre-order where when I, I'll have a launch party through them on their Zoom account. And um, when people order after the launch party, I'll go in and sign all the books and they'll send. You can have the book personalized however you want it through that bookstore. It's called Children's Book World, just as an aside. Um, so yeah, so the 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 press release has um, the pre-order information, but it really repeats everything from the first release. It it the the the, the pair. You know what's the book about and. Um, who is intense publications, you know, it has like a paragraph about them, it has a paragraph about me, so that's the press release, and then I also have a bio page, which has, um, I think, four or five different versions of my bio, with different lengths, so if someone needs two sentences, there's a two-sentence bio, if someone needs a long paragraph, there's that, I mean, it, it, the point is that you want to Make it easy for whoever's using this stuff, so they don't have to do anything oh look it 's right there i've got it. you know copy paste, and you're set I um, want you
0: to develop the ability to telecom- telepathically communicate with every author in the world, <laughs> at least all the ones that are going to reach out to me in the future and let them know that they should do this <laughs> and I will, I make it easy on the people
1: that want to promote you that's fantastic yeah, I mean why why if th- <laughs> This is like rule number one of being a, pub, a good publicist. Make it easy for the journalists. Give them all the information that they need. Don't make them have to, I mean, their job is to write a story or to interview you, you know, whatever. Just make it easy and make it all of it. And more, it's, this, because of this background where more is, 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 enough, more is what you want, that's why the first twelve versions of Summer of Luck had way more in it than, you know, <laughs> than could stay because that was my training, you know. But um, trying to think of what else, you know. Then, as you say, there's an image, a high-resolution image of the cover, and um, then there's a couple of photos of uh, of, of me. And the photo credit, which is also really important. And they're also in, a li- you know, they're like variations in size. So if someone needs a web version, there's, there's a lower resolution. If you need it for a print thing, there's a the high resolution. So that's really important. And then there's the about page, which is just kind of a compendium of all this stuff, um, you know my elevator pitch, you know, the one line version, um, you know, another version that's a little bit longer. And then there's another explanation of the story. That's a little longer than that. Just all different levels of those things. And then that's where I put my endorsements, you know, quotes from other writers that have read the book and gave, you know, uh, laudatory, um, uh, endorsements, you know, things I'd use on a book cover, things I, I use on just anything, just to let people know that, you know, somebody read this book and actually thought it was pretty darn good.
0: A little, uh, little social media, or little social proof, they like it. You'll like it too. And I want the esteemed audience to note uh, that um, you were so uh, humble before talking about, oh, I don't know. I'm just figuring this out. And as we listen to you, we can hear years of work as a successful publicist, training from childhood uh, by two publicist parents. <laughs> you fooled no one, Laura Segman. You are fantastic at this.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: So uh, just out of curiosity, because we talk a lot uh, on this show about queries to agents, queries to publishers, but we don't talk a whole lot about queries to media outlets. Um, So you put together this package. I assume you sent it just to me and said, if I could get on Middle Grade Ninja, that's all the publicity I would would ever need. But in case I'm mistaken (laughs) there, uh, how many, uh, do you have an idea, just ballpark, how many um, uh, pitches you sent out?
1: I would say probably uh, 30 and under. But I've been really lucky. My I've been batting, you know, whatever the percentage is. I, ha- I think I've, all together, I've either done or am doing, uh, I think about 15 interviews. Perfect. So, um, yeah, and there are different kinds of interviews, you know, they're Sometimes I, I have to write the answers. You know, there are q Q&As that I write the answers to. And I have to, you know, that, that's another thing is I can't, I can't answer a question, even though a lot of the questions are the same. I can't answer. I can't copy and paste from something I sent someone else, you know. So I, there's a lot of work involved in that and being interesting, too, you know, not just writing well. I was born in New York. I mean, you have no idea how many, you probably do have an idea because you probably get stuff like this, but I work with a lot of musicians in my work and, um, or actors and, and they, I've always wanted to teach a class on bio writing. You know, you do not start your bio by saying I was born in New York. (laughs) That's like the most boring thing ever. You want to start your bio with a, a, a line or two that that gives the big picture, you know? Um,
0: but if I don't know what specific patch of soil within the country you originate from, how am I supposed to be interested? Dog teasing. <laughs> well,
1: you put it, you put it, you can put it at the end if it even matters. But yeah, I mean, like my bio said, my bio, all seven versions or however many there are on my little, bio sheet all they all start with Laura Siegel Stegman is a uh, an arts publicist and author uh you know I I haven't got it memorized but and her you know her debut novel Summer of Luck will be released in September to be followed by a sequel in 2021 I mean that's what that's the most important thing that people need to know about me and then I go off on tangents. You know, like I write, I have this section where, you know, people's bios are, are whatever makes them interesting. So I thought what one of the more interesting things about me was, here are some of my favorite that my parents instilled in me a love of reading, and here are some of my favorite middle grade books. And then I talk about my nonfiction credits, and then I um, talk about, you know, my husband and I live in blah, blah, blah. And we, uh, I love Dodger baseball and classical music and theater. You know, I, am not, I don't have that much of an interesting life, but those are the most interesting things that other people would care about, you know? And, and, uh, I, I, the, Bios are important where you pick out, this is just like with writing, you pick out what is the essential information and you write it well and you, you know, you have it so that it's, if they only use the first line, they've got the essential information.
0: And then knowing, of course, that you've got uh, two more books coming. Um, are you saving the information from the folks that you found worthy of, uh, of pitching to it? Okay. It didn't work out this time, but maybe I come back to you around book two or is it time then to expand and find new folks?
1: Um, you know, that's a really interesting question um, because being a debut author affords you a lot of opportunities that, you know, go away when you're not a debut author, a lot of, blogs and, 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 um, and podcasts or whatever, there's a lot of them that are designed for debut authors. And um, so I'm not, what I'm hoping to learn between now and then, because the second book's not coming out till October of next year, is how to pitch myself to, to media outlets that I haven't pitched yet, that I don't, I don't know how to pitch yet. I have to find out you know some of those like 20 best middle grade books to keep your eye on you know that kind of thing um i mean i'm i'm taking every advantage that i can to get my story into the hands of of anybody who you know who who is a a, a writer about middle grade fiction but it's not a very extensive list as i as i said um i have been turned down by uh either turned down or just never heard back from despite multiple follow-ups which I'm very good at um as you know <laughs> I do um uh I I would definitely attempt to go back to some of them one of them that I pitched that I was dying to get an interview on um or a review uh I just saw on their website they decided they're not they're gonna you have to pay for it now and I'm like, okay, oh. cross that one out. I mean, people think you have to pay for publicity. Don't do it. Don't do not do it. Um, that's marketing. That's what marketing and advertising are. Don't do it for publicity. You don't have to.
0: I have never charged an author, but. And this has never come up, but an off an offer wanted to offer me money. That would be swell, please. <laughs> well, and you
1: me. you put a lot of time in. it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, but that again, that's that's a you know, the thing about publicity, which is now called earned media. That's hmm. like the to the twenty twenty or twenty eighteen or who knows when they thought that up. The jargon is just. I just laugh, Um, but um, earned media has um, value over advertising, because earned media is what they're saying about you, and advertising is what you're saying about yourself, so it's kind of obvious why earned media is so valuable, and and again, if you're paying for it, you know, that's advertising.
0: And I should assure esteemed audience that just joking. I would never charge authors. I wouldn't feel good about myself or the uh, the the uh, conversations that we're having. Um. So, okay. So um. I it was curious. You you sit down. You make out your publicity plan. You're starting to act on it, and then uh, COVID nineteen comes along and throws uh, to the wind all of our plans for for the year. How did that alter your publicity, and how does that alter writing and in- and, and publicizing going forward
1: for you? Well, actually, I really feel like it's got, come to my advantage because um, I love sitting here in this chair with my little camera looking at me and looking at you, and I don't have to like, I'm not, it. Uh, there's a certain comfort level of, of being uh, you know, the sort of one-on-one that we're doing. I mean, that would have existed COVID or not. But sure. for example, um, for my launch party, I mean, I knew I was going to have a launch party. I knew where where I wanted it to be. I knew I wanted it to be at that bookstore, uh, Children's Book World in West LA. And, um, but I was really, nervous about having people fill the room and i knew my friends would come you know so there would be people there and standing up and you know it's like maybe i should get a podium so i can grab on i mean this is from a former actress right it's (laughs) it's such a contradiction um and the idea of now being able to do all this stuff that i'm doing on the internet you know is just, it's, it works really well for my, my comfort level. You know, ultimately, I would like to um, go visit a school and talk to kids about my book, but I'm not ready for that yet. I'm doing all this sort of preparation right now by, by, you know, getting much more comfortable talking about, about myself. Because a publicist is just, that's like the, golden rule. You do not talk about yourself. You're not in front of the camera. If someone wants to take your picture, you politely decline. It's about the client. You want the client to be there. So being the client, me now being the client, I'm the client. So I got to be front and center. And COVID has given me a chance to um, practice and do these things. You know, all the Zoom meetings for work that I do, you know, it's like, I look, you know, you can sort of see, you know, make sure you have a nice background or whatever. Um, how, do, how does that shirt that I'm wearing read on camera? Maybe not so much, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, you, you just get to, to do it. So, and, and in addition, even though I know this is many authors who had bookstore book signings and all this stuff, you know, they wouldn't agree with me. I didn't have any book bookstore signings set up at the time of COVID. Um, So they had to cancel things. They had things all over the country. I feel for them, you know, but, but um, I don't know. I, I just think it's been, um, it's opened up a lot of new opportunities. Authors are doing, you know, they're getting, I have a launch, uh, you know, I have a second launch party with three other authors and a moderator that we're doing on Zoom. I'll probably be doing an interview on Instagram, you know, (laughs) Instagram Live. And um, I've just been able to reach out to places that, and, and like that TikTok video, you know, that, I, I don't know. I just, I think that, that people are being super creative with COVID and, and reaching out to people that in a way that, that they probably, like, like the second launch party that I'm doing with, one of the authors is in Pennsylvania, another one's in uh, Texas, another one's in wherever, North Carolina or something like that, you know, I wouldn't have even known them really, except for this debut group that I'm part of, this online de- debut group that might have existed. But all these opportunities, you know, where bookstores are, are inviting authors to come and do Zoom talks or, or Facebook talks or Instagram talks or whatever, those opportunities wouldn't have existed because the bookstores wouldn't have had to do that. But you know, they're hurting a lot. So they're trying to sell books and, and, you know, authors are savvy authors are taking advantage of, of those opportunities. So it's, it's, it's comfortable for me, the idea of doing it um, this way. And and I know I'll eventually get comfortable enough to attempt some kind of a book signing, "Oh, I'm always afraid, like what if no one shows up? That's like my biggest fear. So) <laughs>
0: I can personally. I've I've done a very busy book signing, and I've done the nobody's there except my mom book signing. Literally, my mom. Um, <laughs> and uh, you you survive it. You, you pick yourself up. You dust yourself off. to you say, "Well, I've got that experience. I if I have that anecdote if it ever comes up." And
1: you know, you know. Has die. anyone has anyone ever written a novel about about being an author? <laughs> and uh, probably I just have never heard of it.
0: There are so many books in the world, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I, I, don't mean, I don't mean
1: how-to books. I mean just like, you know, an author who, I'm sure. I, in fact, I William Goldman, I think, I feel like he wrote a book about about that. So.
0: Sounds like Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. I'm uh, watching Mm -hmm. our time and I know that we're, we're over. (laughs) So I appreciate (laughs) you being so generous with you, with your time. I'm
1: having a wonderful time. Thank you so much for having me.
0: My uh, last question is uh, always some variation. Um, And this is especially interesting since I'm talking to you at at the debut stage. So we'll have to, we'll have to meet up down the, down the road a bit. uh, And I'll ask you this again and see if it's changed. Um, but if you could go back 20 years ago to you starting off on your journey with the summer of luck or anywhere in your, your writing career, if you could go back and give yourself some advice that would be would have been useful to you, made easier your path, and might do the same for everyone listening, what would you go back and tell yourself?
1: That That's a really good question because I definitely have the answer. Um, it took me 16 years to connect with other writers. I don't know what kept me back from doing that earlier i have a friend kitty feldy very good friend of mine she's going to be she's also a middle grade author she does the podcast for kids um the book club podcast for kids she told me early on get in a critique group find other writers and i'm like no i'm doing this myself and that did not serve me at all it just kept me you know 20 years because it was really like i said about um maybe three or four years ago that I finally started doing that. That's what I would tell myself, connect with other writers, get as much input as you can from anybody who's willing to give it. You'll know when you're, you don't need it anymore. That's how I knew that I was, I not, not from critique partners. I always need critique partners. I always need beta readers, but I don't need, um, you know, to go on, on writers forums anymore and post my first chapter. I don't need to do that anymore because I, for Summer of Luck, I had, I noticed that I was starting to get advice to change things that I knew didn't need to be changed anymore. And I knew that's when I was done getting that kind of information. But when you're, when you're starting a book or when you're in the process of it, you know, if someone has some information to, to share with you, a, a reaction, you know, as long as they're not telling you, you suck, and you, sorry, you <laughs> as long as they're not telling you that you can't write and you need to stop, you know, listen to what they're saying. You never know. You never know. So,
0: well, if they're I saying that, I would posit they are the ones who suck.
1: So there we are <laughs> <laughs> also you know the other thing is just to give myself a break here um you know in 2000 you know 2001 or whatever when my journey began there was no whatever uh, twitter was there twitter back then i don't think so there I don't was think so. you know there was an internet but it wasn't it wasn't like it is today and and that's also you know there's all these resources now that there never were online you'd have to go to a library or whatever it's all there just just check it out you know read what other people are doing uh not just books i mean you know read read follow find an author to follow on twitter or facebook or somewhere and see you know an author that you think is is a worthy author to follow. And what are they doing? You know, that's what I, I look to see if somebody's got a story on some blog that I'd never heard of. I'm, I'm checking it out. You know, if someone, if someone proposes um, that someone on this podcast or this blog is looking for authors to interview, I just do it because why not? You know, down the road, I'm sure I will be a little more um, uh I won't, I won't be able to give as much time as some of the, the Q&As take. But right now, I'm just, I'm taking advantage of every opportunity that I can, you know, as long as the blog isn't some poorly written, you know, w- one follower on Twitter type writer, you know. I mean, you have to start somewhere. But, but you could reach that follower. <laughs> <laughs> Uh,
0: that that all makes uh, a tremendous amount of sense, Laura. I'm assuming that esteemed audience uh, has heard you, they're they're excited and they've decided you are the author that they want to follow. Um, where can they find you online on Twitter, all that good stuff?
1: My website is laura.stegman.com, and all my social links are there. I'm at Laura Stegman on Twitter. I'm at laura underscore stegman on instagram i'd love more instagram followers um i have a lot on twitter but just building my instagram um laura stegman author on facebook and um goodreads summer of luck is on goodreads so you can check it out and click that want to read box and the Summer of Luck, of course, as we talked about, is available anywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indie, IndieBound, Bookshop, and uh, uh, yeah, pretty much anywhere.
0: As always, for more of this uh, this wonderful, riveting content you've just enjoyed, head to <laughs> middlegradeninja.com. Uh, check out interviews with authors, literary agents, published books you'd be interested in. Download your free copy of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. And as always, God willing, I'm a live esteemed audience. I'll see you next week.